So we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for 3-16-08. Continuing with our study on the United Nations, uh, Devil Betraya, World Goodwill, Lucius Trust, these types of issues. And before I go further into this, since we're on the subject of this uh, Maitreya, it's good to also, whether you believe in pre-trib, post-trib, dominionism, just to refresh our, our minds on this subject. Second, Thess- Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto Him, this is, this is representative of our gathering together unto Him in the clouds, Okay, this is the rapture event, whether you believe it's pre or post, then it says in verse 2, that ye be soon, be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that as the day of Christ is at hand. So this is something where we're not to be troubled, spirit by word, or whatever. It says in verse 3, let no man deceive you. That's how it starts out. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day when we're gathered together under our Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Now, this is most likely in reference to the apostasy of the church, the falling away of the church, which we're seeing that in full swing. Okay, that's already happened, happening and happened. But the day, meaning our gathering together in Him, is not going to happen until the falling away happens first, and the man of sin be revealed. So the falling away comes first, But then the second thing is, and the man of sin be revealed. Now, people that believe in the pre-trib believe that, oh, we'll never even know who the Antichrist is because we're going to be raptured. They can't even stand the thought of having to suffer one iota for nothing. The Bible says in Revelation that the uh, overcoming saints of the tribulation period overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. What death are they in reference to? Most likely the guillotine because they didn't take the mark of the beast. Okay, so again, you can hope for the best, but I'd also prepare for the worst. So let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, which we're seeing and have seen, and the man of sin be revealed. So even if you believe in pre-trib, according to the Bible... You should know, you have to know, when the Antichrist, who the Antichrist is going to be. The man of sin will be revealed. Because it's the second thing. And and the son of perdition. The man of sin, the son of perdition. So we're going to know this, no matter what your theology may be. And I don't even want to go down that road. But let me just read this other verse in here again. Because I said it earlier, but let me just reiterate this. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power in signs and lying wonders. Now, the way that Cutting Edge Ministries has it played out is from the ashes of World War III. And I, I really agree with David Bay on this. I really do. He believes World War III is going to be a 91-day period. And there's a reason he believes that. And, and, and you check into his website and he'll give you the full explanation on it. Just do 91-day World War III. Do a keyword search on CuttingEdge.org and you'll find out. Of course, it is a subscription site, so I, I I would recommend you subscribe to it because it's a good, very good site. 
Don't agree with him about the Bible version issues, but hey. Um, Satan is going to come with all power, signs, and lying wonders. This is the primary way he's going to deceive. Now, I've done a seven-part teaching on Maitreya, and most of what this guy is about is lying, signs, and wonders. This guy is taking credit for everything. Every miracle that you can imagine going around the world right now, he's pretty much taking credit for. Verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. Now, ultimately, the truth that saves you is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But these people didn't receive the love of that truth. Or, they're believing some false gospel. About some Jesus that all he is is all about love and peace and no, no judgment and I can do whatever I want and live whatever way I want to live and live like the devil and still call myself a Christian. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's what we're getting right now. And it's coming. If you think it's bad now, you can't even imagine how bad it's going to be shortly. For this God cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God's going to permit it to happen. He's going to even send it. That they might all be damned to receive not the, not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Sounds like God's pretty mad to me. That they should believe a lie. He's going to send the strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they might be damned who receive not the truth. Well, that implies he's angry, I would think. He's fed up. You know, he's fed up with this. With what's going on. Particularly within pseudo-Christendom. So anyway, I just wanted to reiterate that. What David Bay, the scenario they play out is a 91-day war, World War III, and out of the ashes of World War III, you have this Antichrist, most likely this devil betrayer guy, coming upon the scene, saying, listen, I can confirm the covenant, or I, I can make peace with... Um, Israel, in the Middle East, I can solve the situation. I can solve the situations about poverty, world hunger. We can, we can get this economic crisis under control. We can get you under a, a new world order, a one world political system, a one world currency that will have the full faith and backing of the United States, of the United Nations, and all these other countries. Everything will be much more stable. We'll all be one happy pagan family. You can practice whatever religion the, the way you want to practice it, unless it's Bible-believing Christianity, because you guys are separatists and bigots. And we can come all under the, 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 uh, or the uh, banner of this one world religion, which most likely will be under the Roman Catholic Church. Because it's the most set up infrastructure wise to do that. You can become, you can be a part of that great whore. He's going to have all the answers. And, to boot, he's going to come with all lying signs and wonders. Which is really going to impress you. So, part of it will be fear of this man, because of what he can do. Part of it will be, you're going to be in awe of all the lying signs and wonders, and in awe of the fact that he's delivering the goods. He's actually doing something that we could never do. Creating peace in the Middle East, creating a, an, a, an economic environment, he's going to come as a man of peace. Out of the midst of famine and war. Remember what Devil Betrayer's website said? Out of the midst of famine and war? That's when he's going to come. People are going to be begging for it. They're going to be looking for this. That's the way I see it going down. I may be wrong. 
But from a biblical standpoint, I think I have a lot of legs to stand on. And from what the Illuminati is telegraphing to us, and they always telegraph their punches prior to cataclysmic events, and they've been telegraphing about devil betrayal for a long time, I think it's the most plausible scenario. If it's not him, the scenario is probably still going to be the same, though. Okay? Because I don't want to get dogmatic and say, Thus saith the Lord. And I, I'm not going to go there. Okay? I'm just saying, my research continues to continue to confirm this information. Now, going back to this World Goodwill site, it says, The fact of transition into a new age is important. Preparation by men and women of goodwill is needed to introduce new values for living. New values. The Bible says to seek ye the old past, wherein is wisdom, the Bible. But no, no, no. The Satan is going to want new values. Oh yeah, there's going to be a whole new set of parameters by which we are going to be forced to live. If we want to take the benefits of the new world order, of the Antichrist, there's going to be a gigantic price to pay. Ultimately, that price is your soul in the lake of fire. And that's a price nobody wants to pay. Do you want to burn in the lake of fire forever? Who would, who, would, who would raise their hand if I had a room of a million people? Okay, who wants to burn in the lake of fire forever? But the thing is, they may not raise their hand, but they're acquiescing to this very system. Millions and millions are going to acquiesce to this system. And they're going to basically say, yes, we want to burn in the lake of fire forever. We want to be deceived. We want to be under strong delusion. We want to believe the lie that we will all be damned because we receive not the love of the truth. That's in essence what they're saying. We need to pray that this doesn't happen. As far as, we know it's going to happen, but we need to pray that God save them out of the fire as many as possible. And try to reach these people before it's too late. Because let me tell you something. If you wait until the strong delusion's already here and upon us, how are you going to reach those people? If you've already... And again, this is different for every person. We're the body of Christ. We're all called to do... Different things, different functions, and different. but we are all called to witness to a certain extent. If these people have never heard this type of information that I'm putting out today, and you've known about it and you withhold it, and this strong delusion overtakes them, and they've never heard it from you, and then all of a sudden now you're coming out with this stuff, they're not going to have any tendency to believe you at all. Because they're already in the throes of this. They're already in the midst of the deception. If they know prior to this, there's going to be a much higher likelihood that they may accept this when this stuff starts going down. That's why I do these teachings. I don't want to wait until it gets bad. If I wait until all this stuff starts going down, what credibility do I have? But you know what? When it starts going down and it starts fulfilling what the Bible says... And these particular teachings, that's instant credibility, to be honest with you. And I'm not in this for credibility. I, I'm in it as a watchman, as a teacher. Hopefully many people would be saved. Many people will have their eyes opened. The Bible says this is will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ultimately, this ministry is about saving souls. Because ultimately, when we get on the other side of this a million years from now, that's all that's going to matter. Who's in heaven or who's in hell? The lake of fire at that point. That's all that's going to matter if you think about it. Yes, I know there's rewards and things of that nature. But I'm talking about heaven and hell. Okay? So, I'm just... I don't know. The, the, this, the urgency for me seems to be building. 
with this type of material. Because I really see us on potentially on the cusp of some really major things happening. I listened to several things this week on this economy with the dollar. And the dollar, although I know it's economic, and I don't want to get my eyes fixed on the dollar, this could be the start. Granted, we've been in the throes for a while, but this dollar thing, if the economy starts to collapse, and then we have these other calamities... I put out several things on the, on the Avion Flu this week. I'm telling you, that card is going to be played at some point. They haven't put all this effort. And if you doubt that, I've got my, um, my video teaching up online right now. The, 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 the video that goes along with the audio, the PowerPoint presentation. It's up on Google. Just click into the Avion Flu thing and you'll see a link there. An external link under the teaching. And you can click on that and you can actually look at the slides. I'm getting a better version of that up this week. But it takes a long time to upload these videos, i found. Ooh, what a, what a hassle. But anyway, I praise the Lord, though, the, the God gave me the opportunity and the know-how to finally get this done. But that card's going to be played at some point. All of these movies that are coming out. This movie that just came out, this Doomsday movie. Where, where it's, it just premiered this Friday. It was about um, this virus called the Raptor virus that, is, um, that kills basically just about everybody in Scotland and they quarantine the whole country, brutally quarantine under military fashion. And guess what the year is when they do it? 2008. 2008. It's the year 2008 and it happens. Then we've got this other movie that I that I saw advertised uh, recently with Will Smith. It's called I Am Legend, and it's about a virus outbreak in New York City where they the virus basically turns these people almost into monsters. It looks like I don't know, I don't watch it or anything. I'm not advising go to the movies or rent them, but I'm just saying they're telegraphing this to us. So if we go back to this article. It says, the fact of transition into a New Age movement is important. Preparation by men and women of goodwill is needed to introduce new values for living, new standards of behavior. New standards of behavior? Boy, doesn't that sound Big Brother-ish. You know, you will be assimilated like the Borg on Star Trek. You will conform or die. New standards of behavior, new attitudes of non-separatistness, separatistness, and what they're in reference to there are the Christians, because the Christians say there's only one way. The true Bible-believing Christians say there's only one way to heaven. I'm not talking about pseudo Christianity that doesn't even agree with that stance anymore. Jesus Christ said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." That's it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. So, it's only through Jesus. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. You either freely receive or you freely reject. But see, the New World Order can't have any of that. they got to have all religions on the same playing field. Ultimately, the worship will be directed toward the Antichrist. New attitudes of non-separatistness, cooperation, and then back to this article. It says, then leading to right human relations, like they can determine what right human relations are. This is like Satan trying to give us an ethics lesson. That's what we're getting here. This is like Satan's ethics, ethics lessons. Pure hypocrisy. 
from the Prince of Lies. That's what we're reading from today. Right from the Prince of Lies. From, from, basically, right from his mouth. Leading to right human relations in a world at peace. Antichrist is going to come as a man of peace. He's going to come as a with representative of a man with a bow without any arrows. A man of peace. Initially, at least. The coming world teacher will be mainly concerned not with the result of past error and inadequacy, but with the requirements, so this is going to be requirements, of the new world order and the reorganization of the social structure. The requirements of the new world order. That's what he's going to be mostly concerned with. World Goodwill distributes educational and informative literature on these themes. A world prayer, the great invocation, is distributed on a worldwide scale. We're going to talk a lot about this world invocation. In many languages and dialects, World Goodwill also cooperates in organizing the annual World Invocation Day with special focus on the use of the Great Invocation worldwide. Great Invocation? What are we talking about here? You know what we're talking about? Mass witchcraft. Inviting the Antichrist through the portal into our plane of existence so that he can rule and reign and dominate humanity. That's what the world invocation is all about. Oh, well, where do you ever see any of this in witchcraft? <laughs> well, we can start with Aleister Crowley, and then we, uh, who did the Alam Troth working, which is basically where they're inviting, he was invoking, inviting a very, very powerful entity into our plane of existence through high-level witchcraft. And then you have his protégés, L. Ron Hubbard, who started Scientology, and uh, that Ron Parsons guy, who is the uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory guy, and they did this working called the Babylonian working, where they invited the Whore of Babylon through. See, what they're trying to do is create, through witchcraft, portals, sometimes they're known as stargates, portals, points of entry, where these demons and devils can enter our plane of existence freely. See, God's on the throne. But if you've got all these people involved in witchcraft, and this is what Harry Potter's all about, getting as many people involved in witchcraft, and they're begging these entities to come through, many times they're, they're begging these entities to come through and possess them, God's going to let you have it your way eventually. That's, what we're, that's what we're, where we're at right now. I'm not exaggerating things. This world invocation is mass witchcraft invoking or inviting the Antichrist to come and take power. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating this. In fact, I'm probably underestimating. Again, Christians need to be praying against this. I understand it's going to happen. Okay, but does that mean we just sit back and do nothing? Have no, you know, the Bible says to have no fellowship with the, fruitful, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them? This is wickedness. Do we just sit back when wickedness abounds and do nothing or say nothing to God? Now, this is the section entitled Problems with Humanity. This is what 
world goodwill says. The problem of establishing right relationships between people and between nations is of a urgent concern in a world in crisis. Now notice they're, they're keen on right relationships between people and between nations. And it's an urgent concern in world crisis. This is the main problem with humanity, they're saying. This is the main... What are they saying here? This is the, probably the main thing present, preventing the Antichrist from making his appearance. Because isn't that their main goal? For the appearance of the world teacher, the Christ, Lord Maitreya? That's their goal, right? Their main goal. Okay, well, let's, let's get to the crux of this. What are you trying to say here, Mr. Goodwill? The immediate spiritual problem is that the offsetting selfish separatist, separatistness by the technique of training, imaginative, creative, and practical goodwill. So, what they're trying to say here is the immediate spiritual problem is that of offsetting selfish separatistness. That's the immediate problem. That's really the crux of the problem. So all these separatists out here that are not going along with our plan and our agenda, which are the Bible-believing Christians, because I don't care if a Mormon's praying or Jehovah's Witnesses praying against this. They may be aware of this, but you know what? Their prayers are not heard by God. If I, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, if you're involved in a cult, and you're worshipping, and you're thinking Jesus like in the case of the Jehovah Witnesses, is the um, Michael the Archangel, or if you're a Mormon, you believe he is um, the brother of Satan, you're believing in another Jesus. You're involved in a cult. How can God hear your prayer? You're not relying on Jesus Christ. You're, you're relying on one of your many pantheon of gods or whatever you're believing in. The flavor of the wheat thing. With your religion. How can God hear your prayer? Your prayers are worthless. These Catholics that sit out in front of abortion clinics, I think, you know, they're much more zealous than the average Christian. I will say that, in regard to that issue. But I think to myself, how ineffective. And what, what would a Catholic do? Convert them to Catholicism? So that they can make them twice the child of hell? What good are they doing? Granted, if they, if they prevent a baby being aborted, praise the Lord and everything. But, and I'm not saying God can't use that. But, it's just, you know, all the way around, it's messed up. But their, they, their main spiritual problem, the spiritual problem, is offsetting the selfish separatistness. And guaranteed, that is a reference to true Bible-believing, born-again Christians. We are the main problems. There is no problem that cannot be solved by the energy of goodwill. Give me a break. And no problem can be solved without it. You notice, again, the ego here. No problem can be solved without goodwill? I didn't know that. This world goodwill through the United Nations. They got a really high opinion of themselves. Goodwill really practiced among political and religious groups in any nation and among the nations of the world can revolutionize the world. Yeah, revolutionize it toward hell. Okay, so that's the end of that particular article. But now, since we touched on this whole thing about the United Nations, because a lot of times people think, oh yeah, United Nations, nothing's going to happen there. and you know, Hopefully we've convinced you how totally evil they are. Well, let's just look at something real quick. I talked about this a little bit last week. I just want to reiterate this. 
This is entitled, this is from August 28th of last year by Jerome Corsi, World Daily Net. It's entitled, Premeditated Merger. The U.S. is officially underneath U.N. law in health emergency. The North American plan for avian and pandemic influenza... Oh no, hold on. The Security and Pro- Prosperity Partnership of North America, which is, a, which is part of this North American Union, which we've done a couple teachings on, Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America Summit in Canada released a plan that establishes the United Nations law, among other regulations by the World Trade Organization and World Health Organization, get this, as supreme law over the United States law during a pandemic, and sets the stage for militarizing the management of the continental health emergencies. That's why I said, when and if... And when God permits them to play the Avion flu card, and that's the most likely one I see on the horizon, when that happens, we are under United Nations law. Bush sold us out up the river. That's all he's ever done. But he did this last year at the Security and Prosperity Partnership. We're under UN law and World Trade Organization and World Health, who are just subsidiaries of essentially the UN. But that is supreme over U.S. law during a pandemic and sets the stage for militarizing this whole country. That's how important this teaching is on the United Nations. Because all it's going to take, and, and people don't even know this, but that doesn't matter that they don't know it. It's all set to take place. The North American plan for avian and pandemic influenza was finalized at this Security Prosperity Partnership Summit in Monticello, Quebec, in August of last year. At the same time, U.S. Northern Command, or NORTHCOM, has created a webpage dedicated to avian flu and has been running exercises in preparation for the possible use of U.S. military force in continental domestic emer- emergencies involving avian flu or pandemic influenza. With virtually no media attention, in 2005, President Bush shifted U.S. policy on avian flu and pandemic, placing the country under international guidelines not specifically determined by domestic agencies. Why? Because he's totally above the law. And he's obeying his handlers. Who are his handlers? Well, the people like in the UN, the, the 13 families of the Illuminati that really run the show. They're setting the stage for the one world military government. The policy shift was formalized September 14, 2005, when Bush announced a new international partnership on avian and pandemic influenza to a high plenary meeting of the United Nations General Assembly in New York. The 2005 plan operative, the the 2005 plan operative until Bush announced the International Partnership on Avion and Pandemic Influenza uh, does not mention the international health controls are to be considered controlling over U.S. statutes and authorities, but that doesn't mean that that's not the case. We're under U.N. law in the case of a pandemic. Under International Partnership on Avion and Pandemic Influenza, Bush agreed the U.S. would work through the United Nations System of Influenza Coordinator, David Nabarro, who I've talked a lot about, to develop a continental emergency response plan operating through authorities under the World Trade Organization, North American Free Trade, and the U.N. Food and Agricultural Organization. World Daily Net could find no evidence the Bush administration presented this influenza partnership plan to Congress for oversight or approval. He's totally above the law. 
So, anyway, does that make, does that kind of change the complexion on this? This isn't just a little teaching I'm doing so we can explore how evil the UN is. They're that close to being in total control of this company, country. And, oh, it is a company. Sorry. It is. It's a corporation. That's a whole other subject. That would be a, another three-hour talk, but... Suffice it to say that these evil people that I just talked about, whose main goal is the appearance of the Christ, Maitreya, could be in control of this country, lock, stock, and barrel, and guarantee once they're in control, they ain't ever coming back out. Could be in control of this country as soon as a pandemic hits. And that's just one scenario. Now, let's talk further about this. Let's go, let's, let's do a little bit of... Um, delving into behind the walls at the UN. Literally. Have you heard of the United Nations Meditation Room? We're going to talk about that next. In fact, that's what actually the study was originally on. And I got off and I found out all this other stuff as I was delving into this. I'm looking at a picture right now. The United Nations Meditation Room. A room of quiet, as they, as they say, they like to say. The UN Meditation Room is built in the shape of a truncated pyramid. In the center is an altar made out of mag magnetite, which is kind of like a big magnetic lodestone. Okay? It is the largest piece of magnetite ever mined. It's magnetic. From, and it was given to them, I think, by like the king of Switzerland or Sweden or something like that. For meditation purposes, it is probably the most ideal spot on the planet. Since the magnetite altar has its foundation straight down, built into the bedrock of the land below, tapping into the energies of the earth itself. This mysterious mural also, there's a mural here, also helps worshippers tune into the esoteric energies and helps facilitate a state of altered consciousness. Now, they're saying here that this may be the best place on earth to perform meditation. That would also imply to perform witchcraft. They, they channel all kind of entities in this place. And see, you got to understand, witches and people involved in witchcraft and the Illuminati are very, very big on being at the right place at the right time in order to do a particular working or in order to communicate with specific entities and things of this nature. So they arrange things very, very much by dates, times. They're very, very involved with the calendars and things of this nature. And this particular piece of magnetite, which is the largest that's ever been mined ever on the planet, is magnetic. And they believe that it allows, you know, it's like, it allows the right vibes. It, it allows the right... Um, spiritual, demonic, fallen angelic entities to manifest properly. Okay, that's why they're doing this. And this is in the United Nations Meditation Room at New York City. I don't even think you can get in to see this anymore. I'd go. I would, man. I, I, but I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure you can't. I mean, I would go to pray against this. The UN Meditation Room at the United Nations headquarters in New York is off-limits to most visitors, including Americans who pay most of the bills up there. It has been described as a pagan temple. It includes no traditional religious symbols. Secretary General Kofi Annan was married to his Swedish wife in this room. 
Okay, so moving on here. Uh, and it, essentially, this, this rock, this big piece of magnetite, thir- six and a half tons, 13,000 pounds, they had to totally redo, reinforce the floor and everything to accommodate the stone. It's so heavy and huge. And it looks, it looks like an altar is what it looks like, which, you know, I'm sure it's been used for that purpose many, many a time. So, this article is from, it's entitled the UN Meditation Room. It's from Bible Prophecy Research. Uh, this is from actually January 2nd of 2000, so this was eight years ago. But the, the information still applies just as today as it did back then. Uh, this is from a quote from the Antichrist in a Cup of Tea by Tim Cohen, page 159. What appears to be a serpent intertwining a pole, intersecting, intersected by a perpendicular side of a triangle, which is actually a central cross intertwined with a serpent. Now, this is of this mural in, the, in this um, UN meditation room. In front of the half-darkened sun, representing the Zoroastrian concept of the conflict between good and evil, a large, seemingly casket-shaped natu- black natural magnet, perhaps intended to act as a hallucinogenic catalyst like a drug, comprises the occult meditation room uh, at the United Nations, where followers of all religions who visit by the hundreds of thousands each year may currently awaken the God within. That's what it's there for. Remember, they're saying this might be the most ideal place on earth. The image taken from the following site, and the site's listed here, and I, I posted this up on the internet. I'll, I'll post this on my PDF file, connected with this teaching. The room is designed like a pyramid lying on its side, with a mural in place of a capstone. It's a small room with no windows. In the center of the room is a four-foot-high stone altar made of a dark gray crystalline ore. This is the magnetite. The stone is extremely magnetic and possesses polarity. The room is dimly lit. However, a small beam of light from a lens in the ceiling focuses on the altar. Dag Hammarskjöld former UN Secretary General, described the center stone as the symbol of the God of all. Again, that was from that, page, that book we just quoted. All this, Everything I'm talking about here is basically either referenced or backed up with a link. The meditation room at the United Nations building in New York contains backless benches from um, Dag Hammarskjöld, who designed the room. The reason he had the backless benches because for men for the men who come here, will have enough force to support their own backs. In other words, the demonic presence is so great that they don't have to worry about having a back on their chairs. The demons will hold you up, is what he's trying to say. In a dark room of sharp angles, a six and a half ton black iron ore altar evokes Abraham and Isaac and all the sacrifices, mythic and historic. Donald Keyes, New Age leader and president of the Planetary Citizens, author of Earth at Omega, says, quote, We have meditations at the United Nations a couple times per week. I wonder if like, they go there, they have like a bowling team maybe, and they kind of go afterward and have a, some beer and pretzels. I, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Had to throw that in, a little levity. Anyway, we have meditations at the United Nations a couple times a week. The meditation leader, Sri Chinmoy, remember that fun guy, that wacky name? Sri Chinmoy, and this is what he said. The United Nations is the chosen instrument of God. 
a divine messenger carrying the banner of God's inner vision and outer manifestation. One day the world will treasure the soul of the United Nations as its very own with enormous pride, please. For this soul is all-loving, all-nourishing, and all-fulfilling. End of quote. That's what, this is the New Age lie drivel that you get from them. And notice, they talk a lot about it being the chosen instrument of God. Well, you know what? I have to say this. All this stuff about how in God we trust is on our coins and paper money, and I get all these emails from people saying, don't take this quarter because it's took off in God we trust. You know what? The people that minted those, and the Illuminati that created the double seals on the back of the dollar bill, their God they're in reference to is Lucifer, or Satan. Okay? So I really don't have a big problem with them having taking God off our money. Because their God, the God that they're talking about, they're putting on that money, is not the same God a Christian worships. So anyway, I just wanted my second little rant for today. Sorry, forgive me. Anyway, um... The UN Meditation Room, now this is from uh, another quote here. The UN Meditation Room, and a minute of silent prayer or meditation at the beginning of each UN General Assembly place the greatest gathering of nations under the symbol of silent prayer or meditations. Those are in the words of Yu Thant. What a name, Yu Thant. His, name is, his first name is Yu, the letter U. The only person I know that's exceeded that is Prince when he changed his name to a symbol. Remember that? The rock star Prince. He, he actually, for time, he changed his name to a symbol. So well, how did you address him? Did you just hold up the symbol? I don't know. But anyway. You think. So he said that. And then you, the UN is where the moral and ethical issues are being brought one after the other to the world organization. The UN is creating codes of ethics and conduct. Oh man, I tell you, that makes my blood boil when I hear that. Codes of ethics and conduct. Oh good, I'm going to go to the devil to get my code of ethics and conduct. One of the greatest being the charter itself, the earth charter. We're going to talk more about that later. The UN extends the power of the hearts and souls. The UN thus has become a cathedral where we can worship what is best in each other. Isn't that special? I really feel a hallmark moment building, or possibly a group hug. Little by little, a planetary prayer book is being composed at the United Nations by an increasingly united humanity seeking oneness. End of quote. Yeah. William Jasper, author of A New World Religion, describes the types of worshippers that go to this UN prayer room as, quote, a strange admixture of crystal worshippers, astrologers, feminists, environmentalists, cabalists, human potentialists, eastern mystics, pop psychologists, and liberal clergymen. One would, uh, liberal clergymen, one that one would normally associate with the offbeat sandals and bees counterculture of the 1960s. You know, make love, not war, those old guys. But today's worshippers in this rapidly expanding movement are as likely to be scientists, diplomats, corporate presidents, heads of states, international bankers, and leaders of mainstream Christian churches. Yeah, well now they, they got, you know, more of a following, more credibility, the whole nine yards. Here's another quote. This house, the UN building, dedicated to the work and debate and the service of peace, should have one room dedicated to silence in the outer sense and stillness in the inner sense. 
a place where the door may be open to infinite land, to the infinite land of thought and prayer. Wow, they, I mean, they're really starting to wax poetic now. So it is with this room, this UN meditation room, it is for those who come here to fill the void of what they find in the center of the stillness. Doug, I feel my kundalini brewing. I really do. I think it's percolating. Sorry. Anyway, uh, unbelievable. So then we have another quote from Robert Mueller. He's a, another devil. Prayer and Meditation at the United Nations. This is a quote from this article that he wrote. Prayer and meditation and spirituality at the United Nations are fascinating subjects. All major world religions are accredited to the United Nations as non-governmental organizations. Whoa. All major world religions. That would include all sects of Christianity. Other than maybe the independent fundamental Baptists who supposedly don't have any real head. Okay, but not to say they're perfect. But think about that. You being a 501c3 church in a specific denomination are incorporated in it and accredited to the United Nations as a non-governmental organization. Did you know that? Did you know that's ultimately who you're yoked up with as a 501c3 organization? I'll, I'll email you my plan, Satan's master plan to destroy the, the Lord's church. Prove it. Says all major religions are accredited to the United Nations. See, if you're part of a 501c3a corporation, you're already part of the whore. You better get out. I'm telling you. Then it says, for example, no less than 24 Catholic organizations are represented at the United Nations. Oh, isn't that special? Several of the world's religious leaders have visited the international organization. Most memorable, memorable visits were the visits of His Holiness, or His Unholiness, Pope Paul the, uh, what is that, the 6th? During the General Assembly of the 1965 and Pope, Paul, Pope John Paul II in 1979. Many religions have special invocations. Oh, I bet they do. Prayers, hymns, and services for the United Nations. Yes, they're invoking devils and demons because, you know, that's a good place to do it. The most important examples of these invocations, prayers, hymns, and services for the United Nations, the most important examples are those of the Catholic, the Unitarian Universalist, the Baptist, and the Baha faiths. Baptist? What? That's what the United Nations is saying. The most important examples of those are of Catholic, Unitarian, Universalist, the Baptist, and the Baha faiths? Well, sure, there's Baptists who uh, have basically totally sold out to Satan. And they got no problem going there and still calling themselves Baptists. No problemo. Going back to this quote, it says, It is a common practice of the Unitarian Universalists to display United Nations flags in their house of worship. Oh, the, that wouldn't surprise me. Anything goes there. Normally, the pastor of a Unitarian Universalist church is either a lesbian or some gay guy. And they, they have the United Nations flag displayed in their thing. Man, they're going to be the first, well, one of the first sects of Christianity to embrace this. They already have. The old church I was at before, we used to burn a UN flag every year. 
We called the median so they could watch us burn. Last year was kind of embarrassing. I was right there. And they had, uh, we burned this flag, and, uh, but they had made the flags where you couldn't burn them. So you had to, like, use, uh, I don't know, lighter fluid and stuff on the thing. You know, these flags, they just don't make them like they used to. I'm going to do a subject, uh, teach on that next week. Just kidding. Teasing. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Then it says, so does the Holy Family Church... Now, this is, this is Robert Mueller saying this. Devil Robert Mueller. So does the Holy Family Church, the parish of the United Nations, with its international reliquary, whatever that is, and its many religious services and activities catering to world peace and to the international community. Um, oh, anyway... The, the Holy Family Church is evidently a particular church that also flies the UN flag. I really wouldn't want to be in their shoes when I stand before God. When it comes to the United Nations proper, this is further quoting from Robert Mueller, when it comes to the United Nations proper, one can obviously not say that it is a spiritual organization. For the UN is the creation and mirror of governments. But that's a lie, because it is a spiritual organization. We've already saw that clearly. He says, for the UN is the creation and the mirror of governments, most of whom have secularized themselves, separated, meaning they've been separated spiritually from their daily lives and preoccupations. Nevertheless, prayer and spirituality play an important role in the United Nations. Oh, it sure does. It is a moving experience, for example, to witness the minute of silence for prayer or meditation at the opening of the yearly General Assembly, when men and women from all nations center their minds and souls on the job to be done, and when at the end of the Assembly a similar minute of silence permits them to reflect on their achievements and failures. Thus the world's first universal gatherings of nations are placed under the symbol of prayer and meditation. See, this is very important to them, this prayer and meditation thing. This world invocation, what we're going to be talking more about. There are many delegates and world servants whose cultures do not make any distinction between spirituality and public service. There are those who are deeply attached to their faiths or for, for whom the United Nations is a new form of spirituality and ethics, while they remain faithful to their respective religions. Some delegates are known to meditate in a place of worship before speaking at the UN Assembly. One of the greatest orders ever at the United Nations, Professor Bernardi from Peru, meditated on his speeches in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Hey, why not? St. Patrick, hey, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. It's my birthday. We're going to have a big cake and celebrate and have party hats, the whole nine yards. Just kidding. See my teaching on what I think about birthdays. The pagan celebration of birthdays. That was a little plug for my teaching, sorry. And I am not going to wear green tomorrow either. Sorry, got a little crazy there. That's my third rant. So anyway, we have, then we have the, the UN Meditation Room. Now this is again Robert Mueller, which is visited by hundreds of thousands of visitors each year. We have also a UN Meditation Room led by a mystic. I believe it's that Sri guy that I talked about. One could tell several moving stories of the spiritual transformation the UN has caused, to the point that this little speck on the earth is becoming holy ground, this UN meditation room. For example, the rational intellectual economist Dag Hammarskjöld, 
found God at the United Nations. He found God. Wow. And inspiration for his work as a world servant in the, in the mystics of the Middle Ages. So are the churches. They're finding their inspiration now for the mystics in the Middle Ages, particularly of the Catholic Church. This is where we get this emergent church movement that I've reported a lot on as well. This whole push toward mysticism within the modern day churches. Towards the end, his markings overflow was spirituality and mysticism. Well, again, isn't that wonderful? Man, if this don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. This is enough to make a Presbyterian run the aisles, right? Sorry. Anyway, former Secretary General Kofi Annan and his wife were actually married in the meditation room. Well, what's not the like there? To, and then, okay, now, this is an, a quote from a guy regarding this article I just read. He says, Today when I was listening to Chuck Harder's For the People program, his substitute, Cliff Kincaid, was interviewing someone who had written a book about the UN. They were talking about Helm's historic visit to the UN. Somewhere in there, they began talking about the UN meditation room. Where only members of the UN are allowed, I was not listening closely, but it seems to me that they said that it has been quoted somewhere that the members contact higher beings and entities in this room. I was amazed at this. Now, this is a, actually it was a 26 page kind of blog post where they were all bantering back and forth about this particular subject. And I wanted to stay away from that because it was just people's opinion. Everything I've read to you today is pretty much either referenced or direct quotes from these people. Now, on these lines, I had read this before, and I, when I was researching the subject on the internet, I found it again. It's from the last Trumpet newsletter, uh, August 1999. And, um, now this guy is a former occultist, this pastor. I forget his last name. Anyway. He's got a really good newsletter, and it's online. You can go get it. Last Trumpet, uh, Last Trumpet Newsletter. Just do a keyword search for that. And he has a thing where he actually went to this UN meditation room. And I think they've closed it off since then. Because this was back in August of 1999. But this is his, this is his account. Okay, now this is a, somebody who's a pastor now. Who was a former high-level witch. So he has a very unique perspective on things. Okay. There are strange and clandestine activities going on all the time at the United Nations. In New York, in the Presidio, in... San Francisco, California. We must remember that the United Nations, which was designed to produce a last day's one world government, was created in San Francisco in 1945. This foul United Nations, which was supposedly designed to ensure everlasting peace, has actually fomented over 165 wars since its inception, and has also been the protectorate of commu-UNism. 165 wars. Oh, whoa, whoa. What about this peace and love and tolerance for all humanity? No, 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 no. That's just what they're telling you on the surface. If you're, I mean, if if you let them dupe you, yeah, that's what, you, but no, that's not what they're about. They're about the exact opposite. Isn't that what Satan always does? So, by means of so-called peace treaties, such as NATO, CETA, Warsaw Pact, the Illuministic United Nations has maintained a program of destruction to force nations everywhere to become enslaved units of a Luciferian global government. I, I think he put it per, rather well. 
at the time, this was back in 1999, August, two weeks ago, I was in the United Nations while on my seventh trip to New York City. <clears throat> I stood in the meditation room, which contains Satan's altar. That's what he refers to the six and a half ton magnetite stone as. Satan's altar. And it looks like, I mean, it's, it's a like a black, black looking stone. I mean, the thing's eerie looking. I went into this room to do spiritual warfare and bind devils through the blood of Jesus Christ. The room was designed by the late Secretary General, UN Dag Hammarskjöld, and I'm probably butchering his name, I'm sorry, uh, I don't speak fluent Finnish or whatever his name is. <clears throat> Dag Hammarskjöld, who said that the black stone monolith or block is every man's god. The room is 18 feet wide at the entrance, which in numerology is three sixes. The room is 33 feet long and tapers inward to form a truncated pyramid. 33 feet long? Oh, huh. I wonder if that's any coincidence. We already talked about the work in the number 33. Okay, so just so you know, in um, biblical meaning of numbers, the number 18 stands for bondage. It's three sixes, if you think about it. Bondage. Okay, so, the room is 18 feet wide at the entrance, which is three sixes, and then you have 666. The room is also 33 feet long, and tapers in to form a truncated pyramid. Truncated pyramid, what, like on the back of our dollar bill? The uncompleted pyramid? With the all-knowing all eye of Lucifer at the top of it? I tell you what, if you want to see a study on the dollar bill, I just watched this the other night again, from Doc Marquis. You can order from CuttingEdge.org. It's called The Arrival of the Antichrist. Man, that's an awesome video. Really good video. I, there's one thing I don't agree with him on there. He talks about different types of hexagrams. Basically says some are okay, and they're not. They're all evil. A hexagram is a hexagram is a hexagram. It's a hex. Six-pointed star. You can get 666 from a hexagram, too. But anyway, it's 33 feet long. Okay? And so, you know, we've got the 33rd degree masons. we got, you know, the whole nine yards there. 33. There is an abstract mural in the front wall which is full of witchcraft symbols. And in the middle of the room is a black stone block which weighs 6.5 tons, 13,000 pounds. Can you imagine the movers they had to hire to get, bring that bad boy in? Yes, we've recruited 10 gorillas from Africa and we're going to bring them in and have them move this 13,000 stone. I mean, how do you move something 13,000 pounds? It's pretty compact, you know? Man. Anyway, they probably ate their Wheaties that morning, so they had no problem. So this, this black stone block has a certain kind of magnetism about it. And when I walked into the room with my praying wife, I could sense the intense presence of evil beyond description. That's what he said. That was his experience. Oh, this gets me fired up reading this. This is where the world leaders and the Illuminati masterminds go to meditate, which is why it is open to the public only in the mornings. Now, I don't even know if it's open to the public now, but listen to this. This is pretty cool. Why would they only open it in the mornings? Because once the sun moves from the anti-meridian to post-meridian, only the adept in witchcraft are allowed into that room. Now, see, this is witchcraft lingo. He's a former witch. He knows way more about this than I'll ever know. But he lived this. Isn't that interesting? Once the sun moves from anti-meridium to post-meridium, only the adept in witchcraft are allowed into the room. For that is witchcraft doctrine regarding meditation. 
As the sun gives way to the waning light and the female power of the moon goddess, the meditation room at the UN becomes off limits to what they call, to who they call the profane. Oh! While in the meditation room, we prayed mightily and I laid hands on the black Luciferian block while calling upon the name on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to bind the forces and powers in that room. I felt a sizzling under my hands and prayed for several minutes until it stopped. I knew we had gained victory in prayer, but I was suddenly overcome with so much weakness physically that I could hardly stand up. I sat down and prayed, and my mind filled with the scripture, verse Isaiah 40:31, which says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. I felt strength begin to surge through me, and we walked several miles through the city, even though the temperatures were, even though the temperatures were 100 degrees, until we arrived at a hotel near Central Park. So that was his experience there. That's the only Christian testimony I could find about anybody who's ever been there. Now I don't know. I, I don't think it's even open anymore to the public. And evidently now, even if you go there, according to this one thing I read, I'm not going to read that today. There was another guy that went there to do channeling. Because I really had to pare this teaching down. It's already we're already at two plus hours right now. But this one guy went and he said there was massive security checks to get, even get in there now. Like you got to go through scanners and all kind of stuff. You got to have you know your your IDs and all this. You, everything's got to be pre-approved. I mean weeks ahead of time. <clears throat> they probably after this experience, you know, cultists don't like that when you go to their turf and you mess with their stuff. Hey, we paid a lot of money for this room with this big piece of magnetite. We got this occult mural. We're, we're, we're basically Satan himself and we got some Christian coming in here messing up our vibe. be better if God just destroyed the whole place. I'd be better. I'm not telling you to go out and kill anybody. I'm just saying. If God did it, God so choose to do it, it's wicked. It's as wicked as it gets. Now this is a really good little synopsis of Maitreya and kind of everything we just talked about. It's from Red Moon Rising. This guy's got some really good stuff on his site. RedMoonRising.com This is on the Antichrist. The 20th century has seen the decline of the traditional Christian beliefs and the rise of the seemingly all-inclusive, multi-dimensional belief system known loosely as the New Age spirituality. Helen Petrina, Helen Blavatsky and Alice Bailey were two of the most well-known organizers of this movement in the early part of the century. Blavatsky founded the Theosophical Society and Bailey later was president of this society. Founded the organization known as Lucius, Lucius Trust. Lucis Trust, which has counted as members men of great influence such as David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, Paul Volcker, George Schultz, Blavatsky, and Bailey were avid trance channelers who claimed to receive messages from spirit entities and both recorded many of the predictions that were made to them regarding the inevitable appearance of Lord Maitreya or the Christ. Now this was a hundred years ago this all started. They started talking about Lord Maitreya and the Christ and his appearances. And where were they getting this information from? From high level demons or fallen angels. 
and they trans-channeled them, and they wrote books. And these same books are, are treasured by occultists to this day. This is just a fulfillment of what the occultists have been predicting for, for really, centuries. But this is the modern-day part here. Okay, so just to reiterate, then, we've got both Alice Bailey and H.P. Blavatsky saying um, the many predictions that were channeled by these demonic entities, and this has started over 100 years ago, that were made to them regarding the inevitable appearance of Lord Maitreya or the Christ. And they referred to him as Lord Maitreya way back then. See, he's been what they, what they term as an ascended master for hundreds of years. Okay? And the Lord Maitreya or the Christ would appear immediately on Earth prior to Earth's initiation into the utopian new age. Now, isn't that what we've just said? That the Antichrist, isn't that what the Bible says? That there's going to be a falling away and the man of sin, the son of perdition, be revealed? Okay, it says that in the Bible. Now, that's exactly what H.P. Blavatsky and Adam, Alice Baylor said. And they're saying that Lord Maitreya or the Christ would, would, uh, would appear on the earth, immediately prior to the earth's initiation into the utopian new age. What is that going to be? The seven year tribulation period. But they're going to appear prior to that. They just can't appear the day it happens. I mean, what, is is Maitreya just going to show up and confirm the covenant? He's going to pop out of midair and nobody's going to know who this guy is and, he's, and everybody's going to trust him. He's going to confirm the covenant with Israel and these other nations for a week and that same day the tribulation is going to start? That doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense biblically based on 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 or what the occultists are saying. They're saying the same thing. Because these women engaged in the biblically forbidden practice of spiritism, trans-channeling, and because the messages they received were deeply anti-Christian, mocking and ridiculing traditional Christianity, well, you know who was speaking to them then. It wasn't God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of all this, Bible-believing Christians have understood that the appearance of the man whom Bailey and Blavatsky predicted was not in reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, but was in fact a prediction of the future Antichrist. It was a foregone conclusion. I mean, if you just look at this information. Now, a man by the name of Benjamin Cream, a self-described disciple of both both Blavatsky and Bailey appear to have taken over where they have left off. Through his early studies of their works, he became convinced in the reality of the, quote, ascended masters. The supposed interdimensional beings who direct humanity's evolution. And claims that in 1959 he was first contacted by them. According to Cream's biography... He was told, among other things, that Maitreya and the world teacher, the master of all masters, would return in about 20 years, and that he, Benjamin Cream, would have a role to play in the event if he chose to accept it. So in other words, Devil Betraya started communicating with this guy, this demon-possessed guy, telepathically or whatever, and he was told that, you know, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return in about 20 years. Now, again, like the book 1984 by George Orwell, that's that was, that was their timeline they wanted, but it doesn't mean God's going to permit it to happen. He's going to show them to be the charlatans and the fools that they are. Because their timeline keeps getting pushed back and back and back and back. They wanted to have it implemented no later than the year 2000. Well, we know that didn't happen either. Okay, so, see, it's not about their timing. It's about what God says so. It's just about what God permits. 
Okay, remember, the first part of the book of Job, when Satan had to go before God and get permission, okay, well, when it comes to issues like this, you know, God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So it's just something to bear in mind in regard to this situation. Cream um, claims that he has been in constant telepathic communication with Maitreya the Christ since the 1970s, and that Maitreya finally entered c- civilized society privately in 1977. I saw this thing, and I read this on my Maitreya thing, but it said that when he finally appeared, he was like up in the Himalayan mountains for hundreds of years, and hanging out, contemplating, you know, his inner child. And he, uh, when he finally took the plane flight, and it said he used a plane, when he took the plane flight from the Himalayas to the London suburb where he now lives, that fulfilled the scriptural premise of that he will come in the clouds. <laughs> they actually said this on a New Age site. Well, I guess, you know, everybody... What about everybody else taking plane flights every day that are flying through the clouds? Is that What does that fulfill? You know, what, how just crazy, ludicrous stuff. But he materialized and took form and set up residence in the suburb of London. And I have confirmed that, you know, that's, as far as I know, that's where he's at. Now, he may be, I heard uh, Nonetta said he might be in Israel right now, which would make a lot of sense if he was there. Because that's the key place where the covenant most likely is going to be confirmed. And he's going to have to be there prior, or prior to the end of World War III in order to be able to have the solution and have the credibility so he's going to have to have some type of rapport with the Jewish people, and with the people in the Middle East, and with all the other world governments, no less. Since, since then, 1977, Cream has traveled the world, giving lectures and appearing on talk shows to prepare the world for the public emergence of Maitreya. He also claims that the major American television network has agreed to interview Maitreya at, Maitreya's, at a time of Maitreya's choosing. Now, that is in conjunction with what Lord Maitreya, or Devil Maitreya, calls the Day of Declaration, where he's going to appear to everybody bodily and telepathically. And he's going to appear in television networks across the... Now, you can imagine how that would just blow the socks off most people. They're going to fall for this hook, line, and sinker. And with that, we're getting into this second part pretty far. So I'm going to go ahead and close this one out, and we'll go to part three right now.